our Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it said, that is this is the Locked On Indians podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. I am back recording on my computer, so sound quality should be a lot better. I wish I had better news to report on, but uh, it started out as such a looking like it was going to be a really positive weekend for the Indians, um, and it just didn't go that way. They take game one. After that, they follow it up by uh, losing game two in the ninth inning of the doubleheader, and then a pretty pitiful performance today by the Indians. I think it's fair to call any game pitiful where your backup catcher ends up pitching. So, Frankie Lindor's back. He hit a home run today, one of the few positives. His, uh, you know, his performance seemed to have invigorated Jose Ramirez for at least a day, and his numbers are up. The unfortunate truth of the matter is, so far right now, when you look at the everyday starting lineup, Jose Ramirez is the Indians' weakest hitter. Hopefully, we'll continue to see uh, sustained improvement. We have had these blips here and these blips there where he's performing, but we have not seen it sustained for more than a game. Uh, Roberto Perez went deep today. The rest of the team, eh. Two more walks by Santana, who's continuing to have an unbelievable year. Carlos Gonzalez is looking to prove me wrong. Uh, we'll see how it continues to go. I mean, there was a point in time where I was arguing that Hanley Ramirez was the um, second most valuable hitter on the Indians, and he was let go. If you listen to my podcast and they let go of Brad Miller, I said, well, I would have cut Hanley and held on to Miller, but they ended up cutting Hanley anyways. Not a, a huge surprise in that situation. A little bit of a surprise that they're still having Mike Freeman on the team. He hasn't been bad by any measure. He hasn't been good either. At least he's getting on base. Uh, If you're going to look for a positive in the game, uh, Greg Allen, two for two. Uh, Maybe he'll get out of his funk. There was a point in time where I was advocating for him to be an everyday outfielder on this team. And (laughs) instead, he, uh, for a while, he was fighting for a worst bat on the team. Uh, Tyler Naquin, it's uh, it's starting to fall apart again. I just think the book is out. I think teams know that if you give him high velocity, it's not going to go well for the Indians. And they're going to keep uh, just running in those fastballs and seeing what happens. Uh, I think it was also probably hard for this for Indians fans this weekend to, to watch Matt Joyce's performance. If you go on ESPN, he is still wearing the... Cleveland Indians hat in the picture I wasn't completely sold on him and I don't know if he would have been uh, a guy who'd be with the Indians all year but for a team that uh, I understand Hanley Ramirez was kept to balance the order a bit and Joyce is another left-handed bat but I mean his numbers so far this year would put him in line with some of the the better hitters on the Indians his two home runs his 333 on base percentage, 667 slugging. He's only had 18 at bats, so again, smallest of sample sizes. But just one of those things that when I was watching the games came to mind. So, uh, where do we start? Three games, lots of performances to discuss. Shane Bieber, one of his first real stinkers so far of his major league career, he had the two home runs. 
I mean, they just were able to tattoo him early. Cody Anderson comes up. Cody Anderson is uh, non-effective for his second outing in a row. I, I, you know, you you want him to get back to where he was two years ago, but uh, I just I don't know if maybe two years ago was more the aberration. So while Cody Anderson will have to wait and see, you obviously want to give him a, a chance to rebind here. I think the bigger story for me over these last three th- three games is been the way that the bullpen has been handled by Terry Francona. His his handling of bullpen, for lack of a better word, was poor. Poor to awful. Um, game one, so the Indians are up 8-4 to four in the ninth. Uh, Nick Wetgren, Whitgren comes in and does an amazing job again. He needs all of 12 pitches. You have a four-run lead, and if you need to go out and get Brad Hand, you can always bring him in. Instead, they go out and they use Brad Hand in game one, supposedly because, well, there's some shaky weather, so game two may not get in, which is just bad logic. Um, A may not isn't a won't. So they're without their closer for game two because of this decision. So the Indians are up big, and you're thinking, okay, they'll be fine in game two. Trevor Brower pitches another gem. Then Dan Otero finally gets uh, hit. Neil Ramirez comes in and uh, is not terrible, but is not good again. Oliver Perez is really not good. Adam Simber implodes. Ty Olson is unable to do anything, and then Cody Anderson is unable to get them out of it. Though this whole situation should have never come to pass because if they had not used their closer in game one, they could have used him in game two when thing, when things were starting to get out of hand. And Simber, it was clear, just didn't have it, and they kept him in there way too long. And then we go to tonight's game where... Let me pull up the box score. So we go into Tyler Olson again. Not really a great performance for uh, for when he came in. Cody Anderson struggles again. Oliver Perez, not what you're hoping for. Dan Otero, another run given up. Simber, nice to see the rebound. But my takeaway from all this is, you know, I've been out here talking about Nick Whitgren, and the numbers back it up. His performance has been so strong so far, and... Why was he not called in? Why was he not used? Are you trying to just keep him fresh? And if if that's the case, if you want to keep arms fresh, why are we sitting there and using Ty Olsen and Oliver Perez when those aren't guys you're going to get a whole inning out of? Like, I understand going to Cody Anderson. He has the ability as a starter. He can eat up some innings when Shane Bieber falls apart. But... The rest of it, I just, I don't know. Um, Unsurprising to see Josh Tomlin give up a home run. Uh, That's what Josh Tomlin is best at, so it was kind of fun to see it from the other side. You know, the the Braves are going to be an interesting team to watch all year. Obviously, their record so far this year has been, you know, not great and have been a little disappointing. Uh, Indians fans, we think we've had a disappointing start at least 
our team uh, before this series was not below 500. Uh, they've got obviously a ton of interesting pieces. They have depth, but uh, you know, you look at the bottom of their lineup and some of their pitching has not been where uh, I'm sure they wanted it to be. But at the end of the day, the Indians are still 12 and nine. They still have uh, really high odds to make the playoffs. I think Zips earlier last week gave them the second best odds still to make it to the World Series. Not a lot of that is just because they have such good postseason odds. Um, the division is such a train wreck that they're still viewed as uh, huge favorites. Uh, the Twins, yes, have passed them and moved into first place, but the Indians are just a game out. When you look at things like run differential, that is disheartening. You see the Indians at a negative, whereas Minnesota's at a plus 20. You know, the Rays are at a plus 42. Seattle at a plus 32. Seattle, if you're not paying attention, is uh, is actually first over Houston. So it's uh, it's early. And I'll keep reiterating that until it's not. But there are some teams that were expected to do better who are bombing. And then there are teams who thought they were better than they were. The Cincinnati Reds are going to be a a team to watch just because uh, they clearly had a general manager making moves this past off season, trying to save his job, which always pretty much ends up with someone getting fired anyways. And for a team that I viewed as kind of full of offensive potential, nobody's hitting for them. Uh, their high man and batting average is hitting 235. Um, you know, some higher on-base percentages. Power has been there. And uh, RBI leader is one of those that I, I still bothers me when I see the Derek Dietrich, who, you know, the Marlins released and uh, he went to the Reds. Just one of those guys, I think he's a solid steady producer when given an opportunity. He's not going to be a difference maker necessarily. But I just bring up the Reds because, you know, Dietrich is playing well, but he is obviously not really a part of their future. Yasiel Puig is a free agent to be, though he's not playing well. Matt Kemp is a free agent to be, though he is not playing well. And with the Indians currently not really having a dedicated DH, they could consider someone like Matt Kemp. They could consider someone like, you know, juggling things around with Puig or Dietrich. If the hitting improves... And, you know, all this stuff with Cincinnati, they still don't have Nick Sensel up there yet due to injury. So there's, they're going to have to do some balancing. Um, they have a lot of options, but as I said, almost none of them are performing, and that is kind of why they are where they are. Male enhancement. It's a little bit embarrassing to talk about, but, you know, if it's something you've been curious about, BlueChew.com, you go there, take a survey, and know the promo code MLB, you can get a free trial. All you'll pay is the shipping. BlueChew.com, promo code MLB. So now that I kind of talked about the Indians and I talked about the Reds as kind of an interesting potential trade partner down the road, The I thought I'd discuss what I'm going to be doing with the show going forward. I want to make sure that I focus on the obviously the performances in the big league team, but I think part of the reason that anyone is following me is going to be for the prospects and the minors. So I thought going forward that I would kind of dedicate a day to each level and at least speak a few minutes about performances, what's going on, names to watch. So as we go forward, I think it just kind of makes sense to go in order of level. So on Tuesdays, talk about Lake County. 
on Wednesdays, talk about Lynchburg, Akron be Thursdays, and then Fridays, talk about Columbus. You know, this might occasionally change, especially as my schedule opens up a little bit more and I maybe get down to Akron and it can include some of those interviews and pieces with the players and the managers, and that will be coming. But on most days, I'll kind of stick to that schedule, and that'll give me an opportunity to talk about the minors, players to watch, performances, and the like. I don't have anything set up on Mondays. Once Mahoning Valley comes in, I'll have uh, opportunities to talk about that. I am sure during draft season, I will have plenty to talk about around the draft, devoting time to the picks, and you know, just discussing what I'm hearing or what I'm, other people are alerting me to when it comes to the draft season. But since it's Monday, uh, it's also time for me to include my full count trends for the week. So for full count trends, it's three up, two down. In terms of up, I think we have to start with Jason Kipnis, who in his five games back has been fantastic. He is performing well. He's performing better than anyone could have hoped. We'll see how it goes, how it continues to go uh, for him. But he has been a welcome addition to the team. I am also going to include Francisco Lindor, just him being healthy and being up here. He has already contributed just through, it feels like, presence of sheer will. Over on the pitching side of things, I want to make sure to grab one member. You know, pick one member of the pitching staff. I'm sorry. I named two hitters. And I don't think I've included Trevor Bauer in this in the past to try to avoid repeats right away unless someone's spectacular. But Bauer, outside of the the one start, and even then it wasn't an awful start, has been pretty steady. High strikeout rate, guys aren't getting on base, his walk rate is a little up, but on the whole he is pitching well, he has been the Indians' best pitcher. Uh, Mike Clevenger maybe would, uh, would fight me for that, but he's just not healthy right now, so I'm going to, to give it to Bauer. In terms of uh, full count trends, I think we have two obvious players for who are on our strikeouts, and that would be Hanley Ramirez and Brad Miller, who were both cut this week. It's uh, for Ramirez, uh, you know, basically he had one good game, and that was helping keep all of his numbers afloat. Uh, since then, he's when you look at something like OPS, he's was below Roberto Hernandez. Um, Almost on the Naquin, Freeman, Jose Ramirez. Well, Freeman and Ramirez are below the others, but he just was. You get rid of that one game, and he had been completely ineffective. Brad Miller was actually okay. Uh, again, it's one of those things where I would have, if you're going to have a Mike Freeman up with the Indians, I would have much rather have seen. Max Moroff gets sent down. I know he did homer this weekend, but still, for the, the best possible lineup for the Indians, the best possible use of talent, uh, Miller had played decent. And uh, I'm still sad to see him go when they have, you know, if you want Freeman to be the backup, great. Replace Moorhoff. And uh, I mean, Miller by OPS is the uh, fifth best Indians hitter this year. So, yeah, I, I know everyone gets mad about harping on these uh, back-of-the-roster guys, but if someone's performing, I just hate to see them uh, let go when there are others who are not performing even a little bit. So that's this week's episode of... Uh, this week's... This is Monday's episode, sorry, of Locked On Indians. I hope you enjoyed. Tomorrow, we'll obviously talk about the game. We'll talk about... Uh, 
Lake County and uh, anything else that happens to come up over the course of events. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Tribe.